Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. North America and all the ships at sea. This is Philip Terzian, literary editor of the Weekly Standard, with my weekly podcast of the Books and Arts section of the May 12th issue of the Weekly Standard, which, as always, is put together with you, the reader, in mind, not me, the editor, in mind. Um, So many people in our business, one of my complaints about journalism is that journalists tend to write for uh, one another. And I always make the point that uh, it probably would make more sense if we wrote and edited with readers in mind. But enough of that. We'll get into that another day. I have what I hope is an interesting section this week, as always appealing to a variety of tastes and interests, and I hope stimulating some interest in something you may not have guessed you had a taste for. Uh, And a good example of that is our lead essay by the Scottish uh, writer Sarah Lodge, which is a review of a book called The Art of Thomas Buick, uh, spelled not like the car, but B-E-W-I-C-K, who was probably the first great popular uh, illustrator of the natural world with his drawings and paintings and engravings of, of mostly birds and what we might call domestic animals, uh, rodents, and that sort of thing in England in the early 19th century, Um, especially when we come to drawings and paintings of birds, we automatically think of his American, I guess I should say Franco-American near contemporary John James Audubon. But uh, Buick was slightly before Audubon, and his... um, History of British Birds, which was published in 1797 and contained um, hundreds of his drawings of uh, familiar birds in their natural setting. Natural setting meaning not just in trees and plants and on the grasses or in the air, but also with humans uh, uh, around. For example, I used as the illustration this week a... um, uh, a Buick drawing of an old woman, obviously in an English village, sort of shooing away a gaggle of ducks who must be in her garden, I suppose. So he has a kind of illustrator's sensibility, um, unlike Audubon, who was who took who was of course a great artist, but also took almost a more um, scientific approach to his his depictions. But Buick is 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 a, a delight to look at, and well known certainly in England, and and well known among natural historians in America, but not so well known to the American public. And this new book, The Art of Thomas Buick by Diana Donald, is a nice um, description of his life and work, and and gives you an introduction to how the world um, of the nineteenth century, early nineteenth century, especially in Europe how the human world saw the natural world. That is followed by a review by Susan Crystal of a book entitled 1177 B.C., The Year Civilization Collapsed. And when that book came across my desk, I was immediately intrigued for two reasons. One is what happened in 1177 B.C. and what civilization are we talking about? Uh, when we think of ancient civilizations, we tend to think of, obviously, um, Egypt and others. But, of course, we forget that the the Mediterranean world and uh, 
the area around the Caucasus and I guess southeastern Europe and northeast Africa, however you want to define it, was full of ancient uh, uh, civilizations um, who, of course, are now largely uh, remembered in, in very uh, sparse archaeological remains, but also have, uh, there are written records, of course, the first... Um, uh, I guess the first novel in history, certainly the first recorded work of literature that we still have, the Epic of Gilgamesh, uh, 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 dates from that era. And in 1177, the, the civilization of that world, uh, for whatever reason, went into severe and sudden decline and was... Um, ultimately uh, succeeded by um, Egyptian and other civilizations that we know a little better, the early, very early Greeks and so on, Mycenaeans, I guess, and Minoans. Uh, but the author of the book, um, uh, whose name is Earl Klein, this is from Princeton University Press, um, speculates a little bit about why he thinks uh, civilization might have fallen into crisis. As you can imagine, there are innumerable uh, theories that range from climate change to uh, catastrophic events or human events, uh, uh, misgovernment and that sort of thing. But it's it's a world that's fascinating to me because it's a completely alien uh, world that we're talking about. The languages we barely know, the civilizations themselves we barely know, and yet they do survive in these little artifacts and letters. I mean, these wonderful cuneiform letters that they find of uh, one person writing to another, complaining about the uh, the cost of growing crops and uh, how it's not at all equal to the price you get for your crops in the marketplace. I mean, children writing to their parents from when they're away at school, things that could easily be plugged into the the contemporary world, we're talking about people uh, three, four millennia ago. So it's very interesting. Susan Crystal does a very, uh, a very good job of, of bringing it back to life and and making it interesting again, making it live again in a particular way. That is followed by a a novel called The Train to Warsaw by Gwen Edelman, which is reviewed by Diane Sharper, who often writes about fiction for the standard. And this is an interesting novel about two uh, people who barely survived the Warsaw Ghetto after the Second World War, and then return to the scene of the crime some half century later. And it's a, it's a sounds to me like a fascinating novel uh, where the past and the present are mixed together in the narrative, and there's not a great deal of plot, but a tremendous amount of atmospherics, and it's not a pleasant subject, and it's uh, probably not an easy read in that sense, but uh, strikes me as a very interesting novel, and a kind of uh, interesting take on a subject that is um, very familiar and in some ways overused, but is always fresh for providing insights into the human experience. That is followed by a, uh, a little more uh, cheerful review, um, which I have titled Hello Suckers, 
uh, and it's a book about octopuses. It's entitled Octopus, the Most Mysterious Creature in the Sea by Catherine Harmon Courage. The title, I thought, um, uh, suggested itself, although it occurred to me later that it's entirely possible that not everybody uh, knows the reference I was making. My wife often castigates me for making little jokes and headlines that only a handful of people might comprehend. But um, Hello Suckers was a, a famous phrase in the 1920s that was used by a woman in New York named Texas Guinan, who owned a nightclub in Manhattan, and she was famous for uh, sitting on the piano in the club, and when people would come through the front door, she would greet them with, Hello, suckers. Uh, it actually became a notorious phrase a decade later. In the mid-1930s, there was a full-page ad uh, in, the, in the magazines um, put out by the America First Committee, which had a drawing of a, um, well, what we would now call a wounded warrior. It was obviously a veteran who had been, who had been wounded in the Great War and was confined to a, a wheelchair, and the headline was Hello Sucker, which uh, was controversial, controversial even then, and rather shocking to us now in retrospect. But anyway, that's where the phrase comes from. And the review by Tema Ehrenfeld goes into great detail about octop octopi, which, as you might imagine, are infinitely more complex and benign and interesting creatures than uh, you would have imagined. I used as the illustration, I couldn't help myself, a scene of um, James Mason being... Uh, devoured by one in the mid-50s film version of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, which, of course, featured octop octopuses or octopi that are, are uh, I guess, probably 10 or 20 times bigger than they actually appear in, in nature. And uh, as, as always with movies, they're turned from, from friendly, interesting um, animals with active brains and personalities into thoroughly malevolent creatures whose only interest in James Mason is having him for lunch. So it's, it's, it's a, um, finally, uh, the octopus gets his due, and it's in our pages, I'm pleased to say. My, uh, the, the book review this week uh, by uh, John Podhoritz is of uh, a new film from the American director Nick Cassavetes called The Other Woman, which is a kind of a, a variation on the age-old theme of, of adultery and, and revenge, and uh, features um, the actress Leslie Mann, who I think is mostly seen in television, and of course Cameron Diaz, a familiar figure from romantic comedies, and, and the uh, supermodel Kate Upton. Uh, I think the 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 man in the case um, has a girlfriend and then a second girlfriend, which is where Kate Upton uh, comes into it. But in any case, um, John is uh, uh, a little um, skeptical about the uh, staying power of this genre. And as always with John, he explains it in a interesting and informed way, which gives you a whole lot of background to a, uh, what Hollywood is doing at the, at the moment and why. My final essay 
is by John Simon, the veteran and distinguished drama critic in New York, who, uh, now in his late 80s, uh, I happened to read not too long ago that uh, he's not as physically active as he used to be, and he finds himself looking at a lot of television and finds himself unexpectedly addicted to, of all things, Wheel of Fortune, the 30, 35-year-old um, uh, game show on television, which I'm sure I don't have to describe to you, still hosted by Pat Sajak and featuring Vanna, uh, Vanna White on the uh, uh, wielding the letters, but I thought, well, that's a uh, there's a there's an essay waiting to be written. Why John Simon uh, is a steady viewer of Wheel of Fortune. It seemed to me worlds in collision, two utterly unlikely objects uh, finding themselves in the same space, and so John Simon has written a, a very amusing piece on. Um, for those of you who don't know Wheel of Fortune, he explains it in fairly simple fashion and then and then gives us an idea of what he finds fascinating about it. Um, and I, I was very happy with the results, and I hope and I suspect uh, that you will be too. I do hope you read it. In fact, I hope you read not just my section, but the whole magazine this week and look forward, as I do, to meeting and talking with you again next week. Thank you.